This is the Five Point Play Podcast, the diehard Duke basketball fan podcast. And you see there is a new era of Duke basketball. And this is a great time for us to jump back in, Jack. We have John Shire's first press conference today as the official head coach of Duke men's basketball. We wanted to kind of wait until, you know, kind of a lot of the dust settled with staff and roster shakeups. Uh, recruiting's been off the charts. It's been unbelievable. But AC, uh, how have we been? It's been a little bit of a minute for <laughs> you. Know, I know you've been all over Twitter, but yeah, you know, it's, been, it's, been a good, it's been an odd month, man. It's been it's it's been a uh, one of those hangover months. You just you kind of getting over things. It's funny, like this season, I think I have gotten over the last season quicker than I have other seasons, and I felt like that would not have been the case. But I think it's just I I, I feel the way I think everyone around the program fault for the last year, which is we're glad we did it. We're happy it's over. And now it's time to move on to the new regime. Like you said, John had his press conference today. The new staff essentially had the press conference today where they got to address whatever, you know, everything under the sun that we're, we're probably going to address anyway. So it, you know, it, it, it's good. I'm glad, I'm glad that we are where we are right now. Yeah. It's, it's funny to uh, think about it, Jack, but I think AC is right. So I want to kind of hear how you feel, but you know, after this season, yeah, you know, you're going to have that hangover there, but it's, it's kind of a relief that this season's over with. And now we can kind of focus on what should be an exciting, extremely exciting time for Duke basketball going forward. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Like it, it was a tough couple of days, but Honestly, over the course of that next week, I think I think it certainly helps to see the biggest lead in the history of the championship game get blown. <laughs> I can't I can't say that didn't help, but it it really I got over this season way quicker than I've gotten over seasons in the past that have ended in heartbreak in the tournament. But I'm still not yeah, over I mean, the oh six oh seven season, so, <laughs> so I, I'm not over twenty nineteen. <laughs> that season was oh. In the grand scheme of things, uh, I think that the buildup was just so grand that, you know, there was nothing, there was never going to be anything but a sense of relief no matter what. And obviously, certainly not to take away, yeah, it's not the ending we wanted, but um, it, I don't know. I, 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 I am just, I, I texted you guys today uh, after listening to the first half of the John Shire press conference, and I have a new, uh, just renewed enthusiasm for Duke basketball. Uh, AC, you must be very candid here. We both kind of felt like, you know what, this was the right time, uh, and 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 John was the right guy. Mm-hmm. So let's kind of focus on John Shire, some of the things that he talked about today, and I know you want to touch on it real early. First, One of the first things he talked about was how important it was to make sure that Jeremy Roach was on a starting point guard next year yeah I mean it's no secret that good guard play is what helps you win in the tournament and you win throughout seasons and for Duke what better situation do you have than have your incumbent point guard come back for the next two seasons and a point guard in which by the way (laughs) was already a a really really good player and you saw what he did at the end of the year like I, I think anyone who is still trying to argue that they wished that we went into the portal and got somebody different or went and tried to find some three-star recruit that was going to come in and take over instead of like anybody who's continuing to make that argument. Number one, it was dumb when you started and it's still stupid. So shut up. He's our point guard. It's great that we have him. I love Jeremy Rose's death. You've heard us say it at nauseum on the podcast. I'm going to continue to say it for the next two years. So very happy that we got him back and that he's, he's going to be leading the charge. Yeah. I think that Jack for not only continuity sake, but, Jeremy Roach really and, and and John talked about it today. How good Jeremy Roach was in that tournament, and that's only going to springboard him. How how important is it for John? You know, first year coach. You know, we 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 all believe that he's going to be a great, phenomenal coach. X's and O's. Everybody's already bought into him uh, as a the, the top recruiter in the country. But kind of pick up where AC left off there. How important is it to have that? You know, junior battle-tested point guard leading a bunch of young guys. Well, let's just say that this is, this. here's a little fact. This is the first returning point guard from a Final Four Duke team since 2001, 2002. <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? When Williams and Duhon came back. Yeah. Well, you can wild. say Nolan Smith, but no, Nolan Smith was not the point guard in 2010. That was Shire very mm-hmm. clearly. 
Yeah, that's right. insane. And you that that Duke team in 02 was I mean, obviously they had a lot of incredible pieces, including two top three picks, but you can't tell me that the leadership in returning guys like Williams and Duhon wasn't instrumental in that team's success. When you're being handed the keys to uh to a team like Roach has been, this is important, not to mention with a first year coach like Shire, like was it important for Grayson Allen to have that breakout game in the championship in 2015 to become the player he was in 2015, 16? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Jeremy Roach broke out in the tournament and he's going to keep that momentum going into his junior season. Yeah. AC, I don't even know why I'm going to ask this, but you know, it, to me, what kind of year do you expect him to have next year? You know, based on kind of picking up off of that momentum. Yeah, I think a lot of it, some of it's going to depend on, you know, the the other guys that he has on the team. Right. I mean, we're going to touch on this again probably when we do our preseason grades and everything else that we do. But, I mean, I mean, like Jeremy's, like Jeremy's skill set is just so good. And the the year that he has is, is really going to be indicative of, you know, the, how this team is going to do and, and some of the pieces and parts that are, because once again, he, he's, he's no, it's no, it's no secret he's used to this turnover in a roster he's done it once before and I mean honestly he did as a freshman coming in getting used to new guys and all the other stuff but he's he is the guy now and he doesn't have he doesn't have to look over his shoulder this season and I think that comes with John being the new head coach I think that Jeremy is going to be very secure and comfortable in his role and I think that's a big deal so you know we, we compared him to, to sophomore year Duhan coming into the season and I, I, I honestly just don't see a reason why that trajectory doesn't continue, if not better. He's a better scorer than Duhan has shown in college, and we saw that this season. He's more apt to score. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's where this lays. I think he's going to have more assists this season because he is going to have some other scoring pieces that he's going to have to get involved. But he is going to do a, a, a decent bulk of the scoring for this team. Yeah, I, I can't stress enough, Jack. The end of the year right after the ACC tournament when we were kind of going through what has to happen, what has to change for Duke to make a run. And the three of us in unison were saying Jeremy Roach has to be the starting point guard. Get him back in the starting lineup. Give him the ball. So in a way, I kind of liken him next year to an experienced Chris Paul type of, I'm not going to say he's Chris Paul, but he's going to be doing those sorts of things where he's an excellent finisher at the rim He's very crafty about get, being able to get into the lane. He's got a terrific handle. He knows how to get other people involved and when he needs to assert himself. He's not afraid to take big shots. So I guess kind of what I want to look at now is, is Jeremy Roach going to be that guy that can be an all-ACC guy next year? And I mean a first-team all-ACC guy next year. I mean, it's looking like it. I, I can't really... There's so many question marks with the team right now. I think it's going to depend on roster makeup, but I think as of right now, he has the potential to do that. He certainly has the ability. If he played the way he played in the tournament mm-hmm. all season, that guy's like top three in ACC player of the year voting. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, not, no I mean, I say top three as if there weren't three guys that got votes, but <laughs> he's like getting a significant chunk of votes an mm-hmm. ACC player of the year if he has a season like that. Absolutely. And at the point guard position, that's, you know, I mean, that's, I think, I think first team all ACC is, is ceiling. I don't see him as an all American yet, but who knows? Yeah. You know, I mean, who knows how the season unfolds next year, but I, I definitely think the close to the ceiling is first team all ACC, but I think his floor is actually really high. I think his floor is still an all ACC type of player. Yeah. I've I've said for a while that I know I know he's probably not going to reach it, but Jeremy Roach has call me crazy, but he has Jay Williams' potential. I don't think he'll reach it, but I think he's got the skill and the tools to do that if the need ever be. And he kind of showed that in the tournament a little bit. I, I did like his ability to finish at the rim, and I think I'll give you that. Um, you know, I didn't think that he had that ability to to be that good of a finisher at the rim. Mm-hmm. But but he, he he's clearly shown that he can do that AC. Yep, and that's that's the shot you need. That's the shot you need to win big games and close games. It's those two point shots, the tough twos. Those are the shots that take you through a tournament. We saw that with him, and and he's just going to continue that next season. I mean, he he is an elite athlete. I think I think that gets lost because he was coming off of a devastating knee injury out of high school into college, 
a year and into a year where things were just completely off. And then, you know, I mean, so you saw that what is normal development for other guys where they have a whole summer and some of the other things, it's taken him about two years to get back to where he was athletically. The kid is an elite athlete. That's one of the things that was one of his hallmarks coming into college before the injury. So we're seeing it now. And he's he's added to his game because the athleticism wasn't there for him to start. The floor vision, the shooting, some of those things. So we're we're seeing his transformation for sure. And so, Jack, you kind of already brought it up earlier about uh, you know the roster turnover and and what it's going to kind of shape up to be. You know, we obviously already talked about Jeremy Roach for good reason. Uh, I want to ask you about his running mate at pole the six, Trevor Keels, who for the most part this year had a solid season, but he definitely had his ups and downs. For the most part the three of us and a lot of Duke Nation that, you know, has a little bit of ties to the program and we kind of hear things. We kind of all thought that he would be back until the kind of the 11th hour. Uh, today in John's press conference, he talked about, you know, hey, uh, Trevor, if you're going to go, you know, don't half-ass it, you know, go as if you're going to stay in the draft. So I kind of took that as, He's not saying that he's going to be back or that he's expecting him back, but kind of part of me is saying that it wouldn't surprise him if, you know, Trevor goes through the, the process, gets kind of some feedback, doesn't love, you know, where he might be slotted, and, and does ultimately decide to come back. And so I have a two-pronged uh, question for you. One, what do you think uh, Peels ends up actually doing? I'm going to put you on the hot seat. And then two... <laughs> How big is it, uh, and AC, you can answer this as well, how big of a factor is it that is John Shire approaching that we're able to keep at least half with Jeremy Roach, but potentially both pieces of that pole of the sixth front uh, backward? Um, I think, so my honest guess about Trevor Keels is that he does return to school. He is, if he doesn't, then great. He's probably a first-round pick, but I think there's a lot of things for him to work on, and he could be a lottery pick next year. That's that's my honest opinion there. And I think the fact that Shire is as good of a recruiter and he's clearly like a likable personality, a good tactician. The fact that he is all of that is more than enough to have brought back Roach, who apparently now I I can't really say where I heard this because I'm not 100 percent sure, but I heard he was pretty strongly considering a pro option. But. The fact that Shire was able to convince him and potentially Keels to return, I think that says more than enough about who he is as a person, as a coach, just generally. I think that's, I think that Shire being at the helm is really important in uh, the decision for these two guys. Yeah, AC, I know you want to touch on that uh, because I, I, you know, you don't need to go into all details, uh, certainly, but I, I, I think you are on the same page as, as Jack there where, if it wasn't John Shire, we're probably out both of those guys. And we're in a position that we guarantee to have one 60%, we're going to get two. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I do. I, I think he's number one. I think he's also coming back. That's And and the way John talked about it, like he, he didn't have to talk about Trevor in his press conference. Right. He, didn't, he didn't talk about any of the other guys leaving. But yeah, so it, it really, I do feel like that. Trevor's coming back. When he was recruited, it was kind of implied that he was going to be a two-year-ish type of guy. And I, I think that kind of folds right into where we are with them knowing that Shire was going to be the next coach. And like you said, he's he's just such a likable guy. I mean, he's one of those dudes you just don't want to let down uh, just, just because you like him so much. It, on, if we're really being honest, if Kay was the coach, then I think all those guys are gone, every single one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's I think that's the case. But I, because of John, I think that that like you said, it is helping with keeping some of these guys around. So we'll see how it goes. Man. And plus on top of that, the NIL. So you know, that that's just another factor in all of this. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think that it, it was it was the right time for, for you know Duke to have this change. I think John's the absolute perfect guy. Jack, so let's talk about the roster. So your boy Joey Baker is back. Joey Buck is uh, Joey Three Pieces <laughs> back. Uh, Jalen Blake's obviously back. Some people thought that he might enter himself into the portal. So you got no a couple chance. guys there. Um, you know, boy one than ten. A uh, couple others, but um, okay. So those guys, and then we get you know two. Uh, what I think are going to be one 
kind of backup. People want to keep throwing around the the Theo John role for for Ryan Yon. I, I mean, in no, a way, sure, it. but it, it, it's not. It's just not. You can't. You just, you just can't have like a perfect comparison every single time. No, it, it, like people need to stop doing that. Ryan Yon is a completely, completely different person, completely different player. Uh, you know, I think he's coming in for two reasons. One, he wants to get that Duke Masters, good for mm-hmm. him. Uh, and then secondly, uh, you know, I think that he does see that there's probably going to be maybe 10 minutes of playing time and, and, and be able to help out uh, John Shire and, and and the Duke program. I think, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, kind of, of, of what you see, let's say that we don't add anybody else, no Mosley or anybody else in the portal, and Heels doesn't come back. I don't think that that's going to happen. But let's just talk about the roster as it is right now. Um, with what we have, you know, that we got through the transfer portal and obviously the, the, the freshman that we talked about. All right. So obviously we, we talked about Jeremy. He's the PG. Jalen Blake's probably going to play a little bit bigger of a role as a sophomore with a little bit of experience. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm just going to say this right now. He definitely knew coming in he wasn't going to play much and right. there's no reason for him to have entered in the transfer portal. He yeah. didn't. He's coming back. He is fully committed. He knew coming in he was a four-year player. He's going to continue to be that. Correct. That's that's that simple. Um, and then at the two spot, we got at, – that one's kind of up in the air with everything. I do not – people have been throwing around the idea of Joey maybe being a two. Joey is not a two. Joey will never be a two. He is not athletic enough to be a two. He is not – like I love Joey Baker. He is a – he's like – he's a forward. Mm-hmm. End of the day, he is a forward. So the two spot as of right now, it's potentially Whitehead and shoot. And I say that Whitehead's a three, but he might have to move into that two slot because of Keels not being on this roster at the current moment. That's going to be Whitehead's a great player, and I think he's going to do great things regardless of where he's slotted positionally. Shoot, he is his name. He is a shooter. <laughs> Dr. Shooter Brand, great guy. He's got, I uh, did a little bit of endorsement with him, and he gave me a hoodie. It's a really nice hoodie. Oh, what? Jack over here getting swag, not even letting us know. <laughs> I thought I told you guys about that one. Name dropping, um... humble bragging. <laughs> Jack All right, is and then move over to the three. You got Baker and Mitchell. I'm not sure which one of them starts and which one comes off the bench. Mitchell, he's a forward. He's a defensive-minded guy. Uh, come in. He's probably a multi-year player. So... I would say, yes, he's a five-star recruit, but do not have those incredibly high expectations for a three-man that has come to Duke as a five-star of late because he is the number 20 player in the country. He's not the number two player in the country. Then we go to the big spots. We got Filipowski, Lively, Ryan Young. Um, Catchings can play three or four. I have... I feel like he's going to be the Bates Jones of this year's team, Kale Catchings. Yeah. He's yeah, I, don't, I don't expect him to give any minutes or like, I mean, spot here and there. But yeah, he's the grandson of Harvey Catchings, the nephew of Tamika Catchings. So like, he comes from talent, but mm-hmm. he is not. He played for Tommy Amaker, which is no knock, but Harvard is not the ACC. Patrick Tape, Ivy Leaguer to the ACC, good example of that. AC's boy. <laughs> I got nothing but love for Tepe. He's yeah. got he got two free master's degrees. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. But looking at the uh the bigs that are probably gonna get playtime, you got Filipowski, who is a top five player consensus in this recruiting class. He is a great offensive player. He's got a three-level scoring ability, um, solid rebounder. He's got the ability to handle the ball if needed, not necessarily his strongest aspect. He did play the four next to his brother in High school, however, I would think of him more as a five at the collegiate level. You got Lively, who is an absolute freak of nature athletically and reminds me very much of Anthony Davis, um, at least defensively. I've had the pleasure of seeing him play in person a couple of times, and it was pretty incredible. And then you got Ryan Young, who's transferred in. Great pickup. A lot of foul trouble, which is something to keep an eye on. He is not Theo John. He is not the best defensive player in his Power uh, 5 conference. That being said, he scored 9.2 points and had 4.2 rebounds in about 17 minutes per game, which means he is really efficient and will put the ball in the hoop. He will grab rebounds, and he will do it at a really good rate. That's less than 20 minutes per game, and that's better stats than Theo had in 
little less playing time, but not significantly. So that's that's our scholarship squad as of right now, unless I'm forgetting someone. Yeah, no, I think that that's a pretty good rundown of what we have. Uh, you know, AC, we're not obviously going to talk about, you know, our expectations of each one of those, you know, players, and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll do that a little bit later on. Um, you know, I, I know you have some choice thoughts on Ryan Young, though, so I kind of want to hear those. <laughs> Uh, I want to hear this. I mean, let's just be honest. Let's just be honest about it. Like, yeah, yeah, man. You know, I mean, you're not the biggest fan of the pickup, but I think Jack and I are kind of on the same page with this. I kind of want to hear the other side of it. No, I mean, he is a guy. Yeah, it's. I think it's extreme to say neither one is going to see, especially even catching, is going to see a single minute this season. Both guys are going to see minutes in fairly important games this year one or two, three, four minutes at a time, whatever. Like, they're still going to see some time. But you're right. Like, they're not – they weren't brought in to address any glaring needs. They're, they were brought in because we need – number one, we need players in practice. As it stands, we only have about, like, seven viable players to practice. So, you need some more guys in, in practice. They come from Duke alumni coaches. Have, have we noticed that the last three transfer pickups we've gotten have come from Duke alumni, by the way? Um, so, you kind of see where Duke's going in the portal a little bit with some of these things. And and so we weren't we weren't clearly we weren't reaching out trying to address any major needs because if we were trying to do that we would have done it already. That's again that's why I think Trevor's coming back. There's been plenty of two guards that have been put in this portal that want to drop Duke's name all over their their posts and feeds. And right, things. right, right, right. But we have not. If, if we want one of these guys, we're going to go get them right away. That's kind of how it goes. Guys in college especially know the the value of coming to a place like Duke. So these guys jump <laughs> on the chance to come and pause and oh, it was very you know like i said a great great depth pieces but i do not see that either one of them as you know largely talented players like i i, I said on our talk, <laughs> on our group chat like i i'd rather see keenan worthington get a shot at some of the time that ryan young is probably gonna is you know what people think he's slated to get right off the bat i mean they're I, they're essentially the same player in my opinion and keenan's been in the system so yeah it is what it is there and that's i think that's what you guys were alluding to want me to talk about but I do think it's a nice pickup and it's a depth piece. So whatever. Like, I, I, neither one of these guys is going to see huge minutes for this team, though. Yeah, no. I mean, I think as long as we're not, you know, getting into a base Jones uh, catching conversation halfway through the season next year where you're <laughs> trying to convince me that he's going to, you know, win us the national championship. All right, so. When did anybody ever about... try to get time out. What? No, hey, time out. We say he was going to have a dip, make a difference yeah, in a game yeah. or two. Yeah, and he, and he did. did. Yes, and see, he was mad. See, that's That was just too easy. That was just too easy. You guys, I'll tell you what. You guys, I, I mean, that's just too easy. I'm fishing. Sure. Um, all right. So let's <laughs> talk about. Let's talk. Speaking of fishing, by the way. Speaking of fishing. <laughs> how about John going out and getting uh, Jay Lucas out of Kentucky? Uh, what a pickup for there. I mean, he, you know, obviously. Uh, Nolan Smith, uh, the players, uh, the people's champ, you know, he leaves to go to Louisville, uh, best wishes to him, but we got to focus on who we have. And, you know, that that is, uh, you know, Prince Carroll, that is Emile Jefferson, and, uh, you know, now, and now Jay Lucas. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the best recruiters in the nation. He's His name is always listed in there with John when they were talking about assistance when it came to recruiting. I mean, he's he's got a laundry list of guys that he was the primary recruiter for, and you know, same as John did. So yeah, I, it's it's just a nice piece to add to the program. Somebody who has roots and ties to Durham, and is going to be happy to be there. I, I like the pickup. I I I don't mean, I don't know that he's even going to be looking at a head coach job probably within the next two or three years. So I think we have him for a little bit of time. So it, you know, that's that's nice to also add. I think that's one of the differences with Nolan. Nolan's going to get himself a head coach job in the next one or two years. So, yeah, it's, it's nice to have somebody who's going to be around a little bit, kind of like you talked about with the players as well. Yeah, Jack, and obviously you watched the uh, the press conference today. Uh, anything jump out at you from what any of the assistants talked about? Carowell, Emil. You mean Cool Breeze? Yeah, cool Breeze? I mean, <laughs> cool I was waiting for that one. <laughs> um, honestly, I just think that the support that they all very clearly and enthusiastically are showing for Coach Shire – is huge. Um, Coach Carowell, who has been, he's been on staff at Duke for a while. Obviously he, he left for a little bit, went to Marquette. He was in the D league, came back to Duke. He, the respect he has for Shire 
says more than enough because you know he was around when uh when Shire was a player he came back they were assistant coaches together they were associate head coaches together I think I think that says more than enough because yeah obviously the uh the other guys were partially recruited back to Duke as coaches by Shire but Carwell mm-hmm. who came back under K and decided to stay under Shire mm-hmm. I think that says more than enough I'll also just really quickly say that Jay Lucas, he's he's been at Kentucky for two years. He's been a lead recruiter on a few guys, like uh, you guys said. Every single one of his recruits has been a five star, and the lowest ranked player he has gotten to commit has been ranked 16th in the country. Hmm. He's the number two recruiter in college basketball by rankings of commits. Shire's number one. Mm-hmm. So just just think about that if you're worried about recruiting with Nolan leaving. But I think I mean I'm worried about recruiting when Cable left still. That's and, true. Uh, Grayson Allen. I don't remember that one going on. <laughs> and Grayson Allen's going to cause big recruits. I'm worried about that. <laughs> yeah, that 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 lasted. Um, that <laughs> being said, that being said, though, like Emil, just how excited he is to be back home, as he said. Jay Lucas, how excited he is to be back where his family is from, seeing as his father, his father grew up in Durham. He's going to be around his family for the first time in his life, uh, really. Mm-hmm. Um, his extended family, I should say. Uh, coach Shragi, the uh, the fact that he's coming back to Duke, he stepped down from a head coaching position to take a role not even on the bench. Yep. He's behind the bench. Think about that. Yep. That's how much he loves Duke. And yep. I get, again, like you said, Jack, it, it, each one of them individually talked about how much they respect and how highly they think of Coach Shire. So, that's really what I, I mean, I texted you guys watching it. Uh, it was right after Carowell went and I go, well, I, I really do have a renewed enthusiasm for, mm-hmm. for, for, for this season because, you know, Carowell, you know, he, he, he said it before, but saying it again, you know, running around his house, uh, when John gave him the news, the fact that those two, you know, go on daily walks together, pause and they, talked about the offense they talked about the defense they talked about different plays different players they talked about you know their futures mm-hmm. and you know I, I mean i think john even stopped short of even you know saying it that if he got another job it sounded like you know carol was coming with me you know what i mean that's kind of the way i took it and, and just you know you don't want to talk about brotherhood but those two are attached at the hip and i i didn't realize it was that that tight uh pause uh ac <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, the, the whole assistant staff was very, very close. And, I mean, you, you have – in a program like this, you have to be. And, well, you know, one of, the, one of the hurdles to, you know, creating a good legacy for yourself is talent. Like, Kay was one of the best ever at picking up talent. And, and you already see that starting with John Shire, if he can keep this momentum going. So, so getting talent is one of those things that's extremely important. And so for these guys to continue the message of, they want to be here. They want to be here to start Shire's career and legacy because they think it's going to be something special for Jay Lucas to, to leave Kentucky where he, you know, if we're being honest, the equally, you know, an, an equal brand. He, it's not like he left Ball State to come to Duke. He left an equal brand to come to Duke on the bench. It, it just, that speaks, well, that really speaks volumes. I think that's a, a very underrated thing, but it's, it's just, it's amazing. Whoever John wants, he gets. And that is a big piece in cementing your legacy and, and creating a, a winning culture for yourself is that, that success and that talent. And be, to be able to have this conversation with guys who have come from the NBA, who have come from the G League, who have come from other schools and say, we're here with him, so you need to come with us too. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's an easier sell to these kids to be able to have your staff on board like that. Yeah, when, when Lucas is talking about all the things that they need to do and be there for these players – uh, and only a little bit is is really on the court. And I think, I'm like, wow, that's a, that's a really good sell. You'd, you'd heard it before, but the way he was kind of phrasing it and, mm-hmm. and positioning it, that then it's like, wow, you're going to pair that up with John Shire? Good luck. Anybody else that, you know, is trying to recruit, anybody that now Duke is recruiting, you might as well just don't even bother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a wrap, right? It's got, like, it's got to be, right? It's an embarrassment of riches, to be honest. I mean, think about it this way. This this coaching staff, like recruiting is going to be huge with these guys because you got you've got an all-American national champion. You've got 
you've got guys who have been ACC all defense. You've got an ACC player of the year. You've got Jay Lucas, who was a top recruit out of high school, who was a starter on a really good Florida team, who was a reserve for a couple of pretty talented Texas teams. You've got Coach Shragi, who has been literally every role there is in coaching in college basketball. These guys know what they're doing. Like, they know what it's like to be at every single level as a college basketball player, coach, yeah, anything. So I think that's huge for recruiting. Even Jay Lucas has, you know, the unique ability to connect with guys who are on the current team who are thinking about transferring because he too transferred. He's been in that position and he, he has, he can speak a conversation. Some of the other guys can't about making that decision to transfer or not to transfer. So that's, that's something else I like. He, he He was very candid about that today. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I went from playing 35 minutes a game to some games playing too, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that meant like, you know, I regretted transferring, but. Yeah. He has that experience to share. Yes. In an era where the portal is so easy. And so it, yeah. it's so easy to just say, you know what, I'm going to find another place. And an era that's like that, you know, he has, he absolutely has a unique voice to some of these guys to be able to say, look, man, I made this choice to leave a starting role on a national championship team to, to go somewhere else where I thought it was going to be better. And it just, it wasn't, it truly wasn't. So yeah, he has that unique, that unique voice. Yeah. So you, you kind of talked about uh, the portal, you know, we, we, we all have, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, getting young catchings and we're, we're still looking at other players. One of the things that Carowell talked about uh, a little bit there was, and then John did as well, of course, was the NIL and what kind of factor that plays into not only recruiting guys, but retaining guys as well. And what kind of impact and what kind of um, advice they give these guys and what kind of role they play. Carowell even talked about, you know, Paolo, he has no idea how much Paolo made. He knows he made a lot, but really what they're focused on is making sure that they're doing it the right way and so jack you know uh with nil really kind of blowing up all over college sports we'll focus on college basketball we just had uh who wasn't from from miami saying he was gonna leave miami because he wasn't getting paid enough nil is that really where we're at right now it's crazy um I think that's more of an issue with Life Wallet and that guy being like, look, I'm paying this guy $800,000 and giving him a Porsche so he comes to Miami than with Wong, who was the leader and is a far better player than Pac. I think, I think it's Pac, it's not Pac, excuse me. I think it's Wong saying, you're paying this guy who is going to be a role player on my team almost a million dollars and a car what are you going to do for me? Because I'm a, I'm a much better and more important player on this team. I think it's more that than anything. I, I think his uh, agent and himself, because there's no way his agent did that unauthorized, did not think when they did that. I think it was more than anything. Just saying, what are you doing? Why are you doing this to me? I, I deserve to be paid better. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think he, I don't necessarily think he was in the wrong. I think the way he handled it wasn't great, but. I think that offering Nigel Pack $800,000 in a car was not the smartest decision given that it's a lot of money for a guy who's not that great of a player relative to guys like Wong. Yeah, AC, uh, we we talked about this uh, when NIL first started coming around, Mm -hmm. that it was going to be like the wild, wild west. Uh, Certainly with the portal involved, it's, it's like the wild, wild west on steroids. So, you know, kind of where do you see things right now? Where do you see it shaking out? Um, we all agree that we all wanted to see players, you know, have that kind of flexibility and be paid for, um, you know, what they're worth. Mm-hmm. Pretty pretty simple. I think everybody's on the same page there. But where do you see this right now um, after – this is basically the, the second full year of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, we're, I mean, we're in the transition period for all of it. It's right. going, it, we, we said it before in here, it's going to take the better part of a decade to get this thing where it's palatable, where, you know, it's where people are actually on board with it, truly on board with it, and where you don't see teams 
taking advantage of rules that don't exist yet or what have you to, you know, to, to keep their engagement up and everything. I mean, you see Kansas has essentially a side deal with Adidas where if somebody signs an Adidas NIL deal, then they should be going to an Adidas school like Kansas. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so that's where we are with this, which it's fine. Like this is how it should be. Right. Like, (laughs) right. Like, but it should be this way. Like the, the kids should not be punished for, the missteps of the organization and some of the other things that are happening. So I am happy that they're getting the money. Good for Isaiah Wong for saying, I deserve this based on the numbers at Miami basketball, which you don't think they bring in great numbers, but you know, they, it's still a basketball program high level. They're going to bring in good numbers and he's a piece of that. He's the star player on this team. So, you know, good on him, good on some of the other guys who are, who are doing this and, and, and using this to their advantage. And the same with the portal. It's like, it, you know, you, you take it or leave it. I know people are saying, you know, there, there was the little kind of article about how, oh, well, some guys, if they put their name in a portal, they're not guaranteed a place to come back to their school and somebody's not picking them up. What are those kids going to do? Well, if nobody wants you, then you're probably not a D1 player. Sorry, not sorry. You know what I mean? So I, I think there's a lot of truth in what's happening with everything, too, for the players and for the organization. So it's, it's going to be one of these things that has to be worked out again. The more we, the more exposed we are to this, the more commonplace these conversations are going to be. But this college basketball offseason has been on the tongues of more people than any college basketball offseason ever, ever. And that's not an exaggeration. It's it's also the third of May, so that's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're usually done talking about college basketball by now. Totally. Yeah, yeah I mean, other than yeah, diehard fans and things like that, you're mm-hmm. you're completely right and. I think when it comes to NIL, uh, the market is going to figure itself out. So, you know, you talk about what is going on, especially at, like, Texas and Tennessee mm-hmm. for, for college football. Yep. Uh, it's just, it's, it's nuts. It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, uh, remember that top recruit to, I mean, uh, it's insane. Where'd he flip? He flipped from Florida State to Jackson State to play for Dion. Yep. Because they were going to pay him to do some barstool thing. Yep. Only if you went there. That's that is a thing that I think is probably going well, to. Well, who was it? It was uh, Jack. It was uh, a wide receiver that was at Pitt, like their leading wide receiver. He basically, Lincoln <laughs> Riley basically went up to him and said, "You can make a lot more money here," and mm-hmm. they plucked him, and now he's going to USC. Yeah, it's, it's just insane. Yeah, and that's I mean that's but that's the nature of it. Like, if we want these guys to be fully paid for what they deserve, if we're saying these things then some of these things also have to exist within that. So like you're saying, so this does actually, it kind of has to exist to be able for a kid to be able to say, you know what? I have a better chance of making more money at this school than that school. So I'm going to choose this school. They already do it with computer science and computer technology and things like that. They already hey, do it when they go to major. med school, right? They already do it when they go to med school. Like you would much rather, if you're going to go to med school, you'd much rather go to, you know, somewhere prestigious than, you know, some back alley place. That's just how it goes, the networking and everything else that comes with it. So why is that any different for these kids playing basketball? Why is it different? It shouldn't be. They're the only ones making money for the university. Everybody else is costing the school money. All your lights and turning all your stuff, leaving your lights on all day in your dorm and your computer and all the other stuff that you do, you're costing the school money. Sorry, they got to feed you and everything else. And these guys are the only ones bringing in money and they're the ones who have the most rules against them. So I'm very happy with how it's working out, honestly. Yeah, I will say my one, my one qualm with NIL is people who are being offered NIL money only if they play for a specific school. Like sure. I understand, and I personally very much agree. Guys are going to choose schools partially based on NIL, and that's that makes sense. Yeah, but like, I'm going to pay you a million dollars if you go to Jackson State and do this documentary thing with Dion. Doesn't necessarily sound like NIL. That sounds more like pay for play. And I think I think there's a borderline. I think Isaiah Wong did not cross it. I don't I don't know if Nigel Pack even necessarily crossed it because he committed to Miami and has a deal now with Life Wallet, who only deals with Miami athletes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that's it's just above board now. It's you know, a slip, so it's, it's, it, it it's is weird. It's, it's just above board now. So it's there's like, so it's many same, things. Yeah, the same thing was already <laughs> happening. You know, it's just now we know about it. Yeah. Well, it's, it's what we've, for years, we have been fed that these kids are student athletes and that if they, if they accept a gift from their parents, then it's scrutinized and they they end up in the news of, with illegal recruiting tactics. And, you know what I mean? Like, sorry, like it's, it's a part of, it is a part of what it is. Like 
I am sorry for all of the Alcorn states and Mississippi states of the world where you're not going to be able to pay as much as another school, but you're still going to get guys. That's the thing. It's not like they're not going to get anyone. There's only so many spots for people, but this is how it should be. Like, you should be able to go where you want to go because you can make the most money in what is supposedly your profession. Why not? Like, this is exactly what college is built on. And we're still trying to say that, that it shouldn't be this way. It should absolutely be this way. Yeah, okay, so I want to ask you both this. So what I here's my fear as as a Duke basketball fan, right? Is that while the, the, the one thing that Duke basketball has going for them is that they're the most recognizable, most followed, uh, most watched program in all college sports. Mm-hmm. That's the good thing. But when it comes down to it, with NIL, no programs are going to be able to compete with state schools. And now this mostly has to do with uh you know your your football programs mm-hmm. but it really will come down to whether it's women's gymnastics or anything like uh, women's basketball all these different things if you got if you got the talent you're gonna make more money at these big state schools the mm-hmm. the texas the tennessees the uh, usc uh ohio state you know all these different florida any you name alabama you name an sec school in georgia uh, you're gonna have more opportunities because there's just frankly more money there sure but you also have i think it depends go ahead jack uh so i got i got a friend i went to high school with who played basketball for penn state he just finished his fifth year there um and he didn't get much nil money at penn state like that's a huge school that's like forty thousand on their main campus a hundred thousand in the system total and yet here he is making less money than a couple of guys at Villanova who got an NIL deal with our local car dealerships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, I think it really depends. It depends on a lot of factors at the end of the day. If you're a talented athlete, you're going to get the big bucks. I, I believe that obviously a big brand like an Alabama football, a Duke or Kentucky basketball are going to get you the big bucks, even if you're a role player, but I think at the end of the day, if you're not at one of those big name schools, you're going to get NIL based on your own individual talent. Exactly. And you know, so Duke is one of those places I think they can survive the, the, the state school massacre like you're talking about, TK, because Duke has so many powerful alumni and so many people in positions to where you know, even outside of the staff and everything, they can help these kids get NIL money. Because, I mean, that's where the NIL dollars are coming from anyway. They're not coming from necessarily coming from the school. They are more so coming from boosters and things like that who own companies outside of the school. So yeah. Duke is one of those places I think can survive that. Other places, well, your alumni better get on 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 the horse and figure something out because that, that's where this lies. You see it already with Miami. Like, that is not Miami's fault. That is not Jim Laranega's fault. That is the fault of, you know, who is dealing with the companies, who is dealing with Life Wallet and things. Like, that that's their fault, not necessarily the program. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, it, it, so it, 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 the money is going to come from where it's going to come from. And there is, you know, a, a better market is going to, to bring you more, more incentive. But I think there's still money to be made for all these guys if they apply themselves to it. But the schools have to have a program in place. Like Duke, Duke has had essentially a branding program in place since Dave Bradley stepped on campus back in 09 and 10. So we've been prepared for this. This is nothing new for us. Yeah, we, we've talked about that for sure uh, ad nauseum, uh, especially during the off-seasons. Uh, the, the impact that Dave Bradley's uh, Duke Blue Planet ha- has had on, uh, on our branding and kind of the boom of, of the popularity of the program. Uh, Chris Conwell today talked about uh, that, you know, while they're there to help these guys uh, with their different NIL things, they really don't have a whole lot of insight onto what the specifics are. They don't want mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that they all collectively do is have uh, a deep-seated belief and love for, quote, the brand. Mm-hmm. And and so if everything's going into that, it's going to help them, the, the other players, take care of what they're looking to get, you know, make or whatever, uh, from that brand, you're going to get, you're going to get taken care of one way or another. It's just, you know, what can the brand do for you and what can you do for the brand? And I think that that's the one thing that Duke is going to be able to really be able to sustain itself. Because when it comes to Duke football, 
<laughs> when it comes to some of these other sports, I think some of these smaller and private schools, um, they're gonna have they're gonna have a lot of trouble. So, mm-hmm. you know, Villanova basketball program, yeah, I think that they'll be okay, at least in the short term, even with Jay Wright leaving, because like, they have built up, you know, such a nice, you know, brand network there. Um, but I think it's gonna be a little bit more difficult for some of these smaller programs. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that goes without saying. So, you know, figure it out. Go go to some conferences. Go talk to some people in some of these other schools and see what you need to do and what kind of budget you need to put towards this because it is here. It's not going away. And so your school better budget for it or they're going to fall behind. All right, so speaking of which, uh, Jack, is Jason Tatum the best player in the NBA currently? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> On the spot, I'd see twice. Get him. Oh gosh, I don't know. I I do not think he is currently, but I think he has the potential to be in a year or two. I think I think right now, I think he's better than Anand Kumpo. Call me crazy. Giannis does not have the shooting wow. touch Tatum has. Giannis. Giannis has honestly lost a little bit of his ability as a ball handler and a passer in the last few years, which shocked me given how good he was as a point forward when he was younger. But I think, I think Tatum might be a better player than him. I, at least you know, offensively. I, I thought when Jack, I thought when you hesitated, uh, you were between, you know, especially after game one where Giannis clearly outplayed him. Oh, he did. Uh, no you know, and, and I thought, okay, well, is he better than Giannis? And and, and I kind of said it kind of cheap because I don't think that Tatum is better than Giannis. But I do think uh, and you see that Tatum is a top five player in the league right now, burn on. Oh, yeah. And if I'm if I'm trying to build a roster, I don't I don't think about anybody else in the NBA right now other than Tatum, Giannis, and and B probably. Yeah, those are probably the three that right now I, yeah. would, I would want to build a roster around. Everybody else is either kind of on the tail end or they have a lot of things surrounding them, you know, that you don't want to bring into your into your your system or your team or what have you. So I, I, I think Tatum is he's definitely up there. Uh, he's definitely I think he's in the top five at this point, not number five. And I, he's just he is ascending. I think you've already seen him take over once he once he is more consistent about his takeover ability, then I think that's when you see him kind of vault into that discussion of, is he one of the best one, two, or three players in the league? And, think, you know, oh, yeah, go ahead, Jeff. I think it it comes down to me, uh, I think, like I said, I said skill-wise, I think he's better than Giannis. I do not think yeah, he's a I better agree. player than Giannis. Yeah. I think, honestly, it comes down to, like, uh, like AC said, Embiid. Um, I also would put KD up there in terms of skill, athleticism, and size. I think those guys have the best of all three. I think it's between those three right now for best player. Yeah, and, and just the, the the sheer age of Tatum and how mm-hmm. uh, exponentially better he gets every single season. And not only that, but you know, you, you listen to him on the JJ Reddick uh, podcast, "Old Man and the Three. It's a great listen. It was a great listen, but you could tell like the chip on his shoulder for not being named uh, All-NBA last year, which was complete bullshit. Yeah. Like, he, he was pissed, and now yeah. he's going to be guaranteed consensus, uh first-team All-NBA. He deserves that. And I just think that he, he just plays with so much um, confidence that, mm-hmm. you know, he's only going to he's only going to continue to get better, which is really scary. He's going to have – he's going to be the first-two player to win uh, uh, an MVP. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I believe Absolutely, that. Yeah. I believe that. And again, that it just it like his skill wise, he's already there. Like it, it literally just comes to every game you go out and you uh, he you know he talks about Kobe and how he you know talked to him and some of the other things. Like be that guy, be him. Go go do your go do that thing every single game out. And I think once we see him do that, then that's when you see that actual ascension happen with the voters and everybody else who wants to talk about it. So we got uh, Jason Tatum going up against the Bucks. Uh, Brayson Allen, uh, apparently, as long as you Ooh. boo him, he will just be lights out. He's taking on that JJ mantle, man. <laughs> he did what JJ did. I love it. The more you boo Brayson him, the Allen. better he gets. Yeah, dude. Guy was the best player on the Bucks in a couple of those games against the Bulls. Mm-hmm. 
Like he scored 22 and 27 in a couple of games there. Yeah, I think we uh, talked about it on the chat that we have. Like, who who had Grayson Allen and Tyus Jones as the best players off the uh, the fourteen fifteen team on their bingo card? Because I didn't. Yeah, well, that's no, that's no one. I do want to give a shout out to Tyus Jones, though. Absolutely. By the way, you know, oh, the leg kick. I mean, and how, how bad did he want that in Minnesota? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he did the leg kick and everything, man. It was the same yeah. damn shot against Wisconsin, like the same fucking thing. If he had done that against Milwaukee, it would have been so fitting, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, how, how great would that have been? <laughs> <laughs> In all seriousness, so yeah, Tyus, Tyus had an incredible first round. I, I, um, I tweeted this out, but a little bit of a hot take. I, I think the Grizzlies are better with Tyus at point and jaw playing off the ball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's a true facilitator. That's the beauty of what Tyus Jones does. He is jaw cannot facilitate really. At right, all. right, right. No, he is. He's what like John Wall and and Iverson and to what, a degree and, was. And and, and 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 Westbrook. I mean, I feel like he's yeah. He's not nearly as good of a distributor as Westbrook, though. Like I thought, I thought out of college that was my best comparison for him. But he's nowhere near the distributor that Russ is. Mm-mm. No, so I think it's right. I think you're right. I think having Tyus on the floor, moving him off the ball, is super helpful. And I don't know why they don't it, do it more. Quite honestly, <laughs> how many? It was like what they had like two losses with Tyus starting all season when like mm-hmm. whenever Jaw was hurt. Yeah. Because Tyus is that good at getting everyone involved and making people better on the floor with him. He's like he like he's a really good player, isn't he? Like that's like he set the really NBA record player. for assist to turnover ratio this yeah, year. By a lot. <laughs> and you know who was his second? Who was his second? It was Trey Jones. And not only that, but like it, it like he was so far ahead of everyone in assist mm-hmm. to turnover that like it was insane. That's wild. He he he's so good, man. And he's done it like the last three or four years, hasn't he? Yeah, four years in a row. Yep. Yeah. It's just it's funny. Like the stats have been about the same. It's just whatever teams he's been on have they hadn't they haven't put him on the floor enough for his stats to his stats to count the way they did this year. <laughs> but it's right. been, like he's been the same person throughout. Like he is. A, mean, he's a really good guard, man. He's. I loved him at Duke. I really wanted him to come back for a second year. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you, Tyus Jones has had one of the best NBA careers you could ask for as a role player point guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he's had a much better career than I would And obviously loved him and, you know, he deserved to leave. But he had, he's had a much better career than I mm-hmm. would have given credit for for his size. He won the best shooter. Like he he's he's maximized the opportunities that he's gotten, and I'm, I'm, I think he's pissed that Minnesota let him go. Oh, he is. Too. He has yeah. to be. It's his hometown team. Yeah, that's exactly right. All right, so we got uh, we got this one off our belts. The John Shire era is here, boys, and I feel good about it. I feel really good about what we're doing, and I think by the next time we uh, get on the mic here, we'll, we will have learned uh, what Trevor Keels is doing, and hopefully he's back uh, back in deep blue. Go do that. Let's go, Duke. Let's go, Duke. Hey, guys. Thanks for checking out the Five Point Play podcast. Like, comment, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And also check us out on Twitter and Instagram. Five Point Play podcast. Let's go, Duke.